Jepang. Good moment, America. How are you? This is the Terry Wilkerson Show. I am Terry, and I'm just an ordinary man taking a look at an anything but ordinary world. Hope everybody had a great week. Uh, thank you for joining me yet again on the show. We just, you know, America, we kind of just have gotten to the point where we're sitting here just trying to have a bunch of old friends just sitting around shooting the shit. And that's what, I think that's what we're missing in this country. Yeah, I, I think everything has become so politicized and everything has become so over the top and overbearing that um, you just, you kind of miss that. You know, I was thinking about this the other day when I was younger we had a camper a trailer in um, Charlottesville Pennsylvania a little campground up in Charlottesville PA a very good friend still lives in that particular trailer park that mobile home park and you know during the summer you would just your parents would make a fire and you'd sit around and roast marshmallows and your parents would you know drink or or you know, chug down some moonshine, and everybody would just sit around and shoot the shit. And I'm not the most social person, but... And this was brought up to me the other day by my uh, fiancé, that I'm not really a very social person, so my small-town mentality that I always talk about... She actually called me out and said, well, if you have this small-town mentality, how do you justify the fact you're so antisocial? You know, the truth is, maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm just antisocial because I don't like what society has become. I, I'm anti this society. You know, when I was younger, when I was a kid, I loved sitting around that campfire. I loved hanging out with my friends. But just everything has become, it's become a shitstorm. And I think that's what's so difficult for me to deal with. And that's why it's so difficult for me to, to be around a lot of people. I, I think I have... You know what? I think that's it. I think we have, I personally have this expectation, this memory of the way things used to be and the way th people ought to be in my mind. And without people actually conforming to that standard, I, I just can't be around them. I'm pretty sure that's it, you know. And I like to think that's what we're doing on this show now, is we're just kind of sitting around shooting the shit. So with that in mind, grab yourself a beer, grab yourself... A glass of wine, a jar of shine, whatever you want. Pack a lip, fire up a smoke, fire up a joint, do whatever you want. America, let's talk. You know, let's just let's try to be friends, if only during this show. All right, let's see what went on in the past week that's important in my book, anyway. Uh, right off the bat, Aaron Judge did it. He broke the American League home run record. He hit number sixty-two, and he hit it on uh, on October third, I believe it was. Against the Texas Rangers, packing up Stoker's long cut this week. I don't think I actually mentioned it. last week. Um, last week was some Longhorn long cut. I needed a can in an emergency, and picked up some Longhorn long cut. And uh, forgot that as far as an everyday dip, no, absolutely not. It, it's not for me. But for once in a while, it's okay. Of course, if I had had the money to do so, my emergency can would have been, of course. Copenhagen snuff. I, I love some Copenhagen snuff. That stuff is the dip for me. So, but this week, Stoker's, uh, Stoker's long cut. And thankfully, the video version of this show is only 
on Rumble and Odyssey, and they're not going to censor any bullshit. And which means I can hold that can up to the camera if you're watching the video version. I can hold that can up to the camera, and nobody's going to say shit. Fuck YouTube, you know, and fuck you, YouTube. Either way, you know. So here we go. Uh, Aaron Judge. We just talked about him. Hit number sixty-two, and you know he he's a humble guy. I I'm going to hate to see him leave. Because you know he's not staying with the Yankees. I, I, I'm going to hate to see him go, but, you know, good luck in San Francisco or whatever it is you end up. Uh, what else went on this week? Well, uh, President Biden, and I use President in the most derisive possible way, announced that he will be pardoning all prisoners with federal marijuana charges. Now, I'm going to get into a little bit more about this later on. But this is something, and I, I hate to have to say this, I really do, America. But I agree with Joe Biden on this one. I People who are in jail for possession or distribution of marijuana, fucking weed, you know, that's just... To have to agree with Joe Biden hurts me, I think, more than anything else. More than I could possibly imagine. And this, is, this week I've had to agree with David Wolf and Joe Biden. Jesus Christ, what's going on in the world? To have to agree with him about... These marijuana charges. It's it's insane. But we don't need people put away in jail because they're selling weed. That, I, I, and let me make this clear, by the way. The reason most of those people were in federal prison for marijuana charges is because of the 1994 crime bill that Joe Biden wrote. That he, that, that Joe Biden sponsored, that he helped to get through. He helped ram that bill through. And now he's up here acting like he's some type of savior because, oh, I'm going to pardon all these federal marijuana charges. Sounds like a load of shit to me. Sounds like a, a Biden load of shit to me. And believe me, a Biden load is, uh, is a lot worse than, than a shitload. Um, or as Joe Biden himself would say, let me start with two words, made in America. Anyway. Joe Biden, federal marijuana charges. Okay, yeah, you can go. Well, you know, let's let's not get overbearing, though, Joe. Let's remember that some of these people who are in there with marijuana charges are also in there with the, you know, I don't know, human trafficking or sexual assault or some type of um, some type of higher caliber charge. And by caliber, I'm not talking about guns. Quit that shit. They, they still, Kathy Hochul will not let this shit go. You know, the Supreme Court basically told her your stupid-ass law about gun-free zones in X, Y, and Z, it don't fly, it ain't going to happen. And she just refuses to let it go. She's just like, uh-uh, we're going we're gonna to make guns illegal because it's the right thing for the people. Yeah, okay. You don't know what the right thing is for the people. If you did, you would have stepped the fuck down. You would have never accepted the role. But you and your predecessor... Both absolute garbage, human garbage. You know, uh, just shut up. At any rate, ugh. I get aggravated. I get agitated. I really do. Uh, you know what doesn't aggravate me though? By the way, if you're a uh, fan of modern crime fiction, Western crime fiction, what have you, there is an author by the name of C.J. Box. I've talked about him before. He recently released the sixth book in his Kathy Duel series. Kathy Duel, Cassie Duel series called Treasure State. If you've never read any of his books, he's also, by the way, responsible for the Joe Pickett series. But if you've never read any of his books, 
Um, this particular one, Treasure State, if you're going to read one C.J. Box novel as a standalone, I highly recommend this one. Because as a standalone, phenomenal, phenomenal book. He really kind of, um, he outdid himself in this one. Because Cassie Duell is a private investigator. She owns Duel Investigations. Duel Investigations, that's actually a point in the book is the pronunciation of her last name. And in the book, by the way, she's a slightly overweight, 40-something-year-old woman, you know, a single woman whose husband was killed overseas in Afghanistan, I believe, Afghanistan or Iraq. And obviously not being portrayed by in, in the same way on the TV show Big Sky, based on the Cassie Duell novels. But I'm kind of like taking a left turn here. The point being is, this book was really good because it, it was written as a standalone, but it was also a way to tie in not only his previous books in the Cassie Duel series, but it also ties in a character from his Joe Pickett series, which I think is why I'm so big on this book. But, I mean, it, it's a great novel, you know, featuring treasure hunters, um, other private investigators. There is a, a scam artist who targets multimillionaire women. And then you find out a whole bunch of shit about the background of why this guy is doing this. And fantastic book. If, if you're looking for something good to read, you know, forget where the crawdads sing. I haven't read it yet, but I see it on lists that I'm not exactly a fan of and doesn't really make me want to read it so you know if you look for something to read forget about where the crawdads sing and get yourself a copy of treasure state get it from your local library because libraries still exist and libraries are still extremely important here in american society extremely important not just to our children but to us as adults and as americans um speaking of joe biden talked about him a second ago let me tell you this uh, I work in Center City, Philadelphia, and we take the number 21 bus from, I believe, 15th and Walnut. We take it to the 69th Street Transportation Center, Upper Darby, and then from there we take a bus back here to the suburbs in Philadelphia. Well, Friday, we're trying to get home, and every damn street is shut down. There are detours everywhere, and there's more cops than I think Philadelphia ever had. I start listening to this scanner app that I have on my phone for it's a police fire scanner, you know, and there's some uh, ham repeaters on there and for everybody who does do that for the ham repeaters out there. Thank you. You are national treasures. Basically I find out that the Biden motorcade and there were two young ladies sitting in front of us on the bus that uh, corroborated this. I find out the Biden motorcade is moving through Philadelphia on route back to Wilmington, Delaware. Please get the fuck back to Delaware. Get out of my city. You're making it worse. And not even my city. I don't know why in the hell I say my city. I don't claim Philadelphia. But, I mean, this son of a bitch, this was apparently a last minute thing. And this son of a bitch, just the traffic that it caused, the chaos that it caused, is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what the hell was going through anybody's mind. Here, let's have President Joe Biden have his motorcade run straight through, um, you know, run straight through Philadelphia. There's a great idea. And, by the way, if you're watching the video version of this again, uh, 
I just put back up on the screen because I want you to see the cover of it. Of the Treasure State by C.J. Box. Go get that book. Uh, I missed my cue. But that's what happens when you have a low-budget, high-quality production and you are the high-tech redneck bringing you this every damn week. So, Joe Biden, please stay the hell out of the city and stop causing massive traffic problems. We already have enough traffic in Philadelphia. We already have enough traffic in the Philly suburbs. We don't need your bullshit on top of it. Stay the fuck out. Stay out. Just please, for the love of God. Uh, I'm not much of a uh, celebrity grave hunter, I guess you would call it. You know, a lot of people go around the country and they they go to look up uh, the graves of famous people, you know, Marilyn Monroe or what have you. I mean, there are a few I'd like to visit. But today was actually the first time I ever went ahead and visited the grave of somebody that, at least in my particular mind, is considered famous. And that would be the former catcher, a backup catcher from the 1927 Yankees by the name of Benny Bengo. He, obviously his career wasn't all that spectacular. He played nine years, all with the Yankees. He, his career average is 256. He had no home runs in his career, a total of 80 RBI. So he didn't have an all-star career, but think about this. Benny Bengo played on Murderer's Row. He played on the 1927 Yankees with Earl Coombs, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Tony Lazzari. Um, you know, the Urban Shocker. He, that's considered one of the five, if not the greatest baseball team of all time, certainly in the top five greatest baseball teams of all time. And this man, Benny Bengo, played on that team. So we were at the cemetery, and I'm not going to just put it on blast. I'm not going to say where it is. But we were at the cemetery anyway to visit the gravesite of a family member. And I had read that Mr. Bengo had a, a grave in that particular cemetery as well. So I went over and visited it. And um, it's really strange when you're visiting the grave of somebody you don't know and you find you kind of, you have to say something even though you don't know what the hell to say. And I basically just, you know, thanked him for giving me a chance to come to his graveside and, and talk to him and um, asked him to say hi to the babe for me. Because, I mean, what else do you do in that situation? Say hello to the babe, say hello to Larrap and Lou. The Iron Horse, Larrapin Lou, the, you know, uh, Columbia Lou, any of a ton of nicknames. They had a lot of nicknames in baseball back then. So, Benny Bengo, you know, thank you for giving me an opportunity to uh, to find your grave. And, um, you know, uh, I'd like to say I'd visit him again. But who the hell, who the hell knows? I mean... It was kind of awkward. It felt weird, but in in another way, it felt kind of cool. Uh, you want to talk about something else that's awkward, and this happened actually as soon as I got home from visiting Mr. Bengo's grave. I received a text from a campaign worker for Josh Shapiro, who is running with for governor of the state of Pennsylvania, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And this text said, Hi, it's Sam with Josh Shapiro for PA Governor. Josh Shapiro is run Shapiro Shapiro is running to defeat extremist Doug Mastriano. Can he count on your support? And then it gives you the option, you know, to text back to quit. I don't think he was expecting the answer that I gave him. Let me read this to you. This was my return text. Absolutely not. Shapiro is a murderer. 
Why do you people even bother to send these out when you already know how to rig any election? Look, whoever you are, do yourself a favor and distance yourself from Josh Shapiro as far as possible. You don't want to be involved in what he is planning, and you sure as hell don't want to be associated with this criminal when the shit hits the fan. This POS will, ex will expose just how evil he is by going after his enemies first. Eventually, he will go after the people like you, the ones who were, quote, just doing their job, unquote. You are no more safe from his criminal behavior than I am. Mastriano is an idiot, yes. He thinks religion should govern the people, and that is wrong. But Shapiro is the most dangerous type of extremist. Take a look at what your boss has really done in PA and take a closer look at what he admittedly plans to do. In short, not only should you take me off your list, but you should destroy that burner phone they gave you to send out the mass texts. You should get away from these people quickly. Shapiro's goons have you on their list as well. In other words, run. Now, if you're an election worker, if you're one of these ballot stuffers, is that what you expect to hear from somebody that you texted out of the blue? Probably not. Did it get the message across? Probably not. But you know what? Somebody had to say it. And I got no problem with it being me. It's funny, though, that we talk about, I talk about anyway, why would you guys send this out when you already know how to rig an election? Look, the truth of the matter is, the left doesn't even give a shit about your vote anymore. The right doesn't give a shit about your vote anymore, but the left has a different reason. Because they now know, since they got away with the 2020 election, with stealing that election, they know that they can get away with stealing any election anywhere in the country. It's been going on all over the world in socialist and, and uh, communist type societies for generations. And now it's happening here in the United States. And the left doesn't care because they know that they can get away with it now. It's just like when you let your child get away with something wrong the first time. If you don't punish them the first time, then they know they can get away with it. And that's exactly what's going on right now with the socialist left in this country. They have we the people by the short hairs. And there's not a damn thing we can do about it now. Because we let it happen one time. Everybody was so damn concerned with mean tweets and, and all this other shit that nobody stopped to actually look at what was going to happen fundamentally to the country, the damage it was going to do fundamentally to the country. People just didn't seem to care. And that's uh, that's one of those things that hurts me. It's one of those things that hurts my heart. Knowing full well that we the people have basically lost complete control of our elections. It doesn't matter who we vote for because the left has the authority to change votes, to create votes, to, I mean, you know, um, <clears throat> there's just so much evidence of election fraud in 2020 that if you're going to ask me to take any election seriously ever again, I can't. As long as the Democrat Party still exists, I can't believe any election is ever safe or fair again. And that's why I keep saying, vote them all out if you're going to vote at all. But don't think for a second that don't think for a second that the right gives a shit about your vote, but don't think for a second that the left cares about your vote because they'll just make one up. They'll just fucking turn it into whatever they want to. You could vote straight down ticket Republican. They'll find a way to turn that ballot into a straight down ballot Democrat vote. That's what they do. And we let it happen once and it's just going to keep happening. There is no going back. This is where we are. So 
Sorry, America. Uh, this week in history. I know it's your favorite part. Well, it's one of your many favorite parts because this whole damn show is your favorite part. But this week in history, we're going to go back to October 8th of 2001. What happened on that date? The Department of Homeland Security was formed by George H. George W. Bush. George H.W. Bush was his father. Department of Homeland Security is founded by George W. Bush. Now, a lot of us were in favor of DHS at the time. A lot of us were in favor of the Patriot Act at the time. Were we misled about what the intention of this act and this department were? Yes. But we the people should have thought it through. We should have actually... We needed to look further into it, and we didn't. And again, just like with the Democrats and their election theft, we let this happen. And we sit here now and we bitch about it. I was a supporter of George Bush. And I have to sit here and cry and complain because I think what he did with DHS and what he did with the Patriot Act is a load of horseshit. It's one of the worst violations of individual rights in the history of the United States of America. And we let it happen. So, you if you remember, Department of Homeland Security was originally supposed to be a, a way of protecting us against the uh, the terrorists, the potential invasion, the potential wave of terrorists that were going to come through. Never happened. And people thought, well, it didn't happen because DHS was there. Well, no, because the DHS almost immediately became the American Gestapo. The DHS has turned into a, a, a militarized, politicized branch of whoever is in power. And the DHS gets used to go after decent American citizens. It gets used to go after ordinary men and women like you and me to assault our freedoms, to assault our constitutional rights. DHS gets to determine... When we can go anywhere. I mean, they were deploying DHS during fucking COVID, for God's sake. So DHS gets to determine where you can go, who you can see, what you can do, what you can carry on a goddamn airplane. I mean, that four-ounce bullshit. I'd never get on an airplane to begin with, but sure as hell not with DHS around. Gonna tell me I can't get on the airplane with my Leatherman? No, no, no. That shit ain't happening. I ain't going nowhere without my damn Leatherman. By the way, real quick... um, I'll talk about this actually in a few minutes. Uh, this particular item right here. I just picked this up. Just came in uh, from uh, Amazon earlier today. If you can't see the screen, this is uh, the Top Stash. It's an EDC holder, and I'll get to that in just a minute. DHS 2001, October 8th. Now, this past week, by the way, a lot of other important things that happened, like uh, the O.J. Simpson trial began. Bobby Thompson hit the shot heard around the world. You know, Bobby Thompson hits in the lower deck of the left field stands. The Giants win the pennant. One of the great calls of all time in any sport. But October 8th, 2001, the the formulation of the Department of Homeland Security is probably the most historically important moment, the most historically significant moment that we can think of in this past week. Now, what do I think is going to be the event that happened this week that's going to have historical significance. See what I did there? I'm kind of trying things together here. And that is the Biden marijuana conviction pardon. 
it's significant because it basically overrides the crime bill that he wrote. And it shows the hypocrisy of Joe Biden. It shows it's going to historically show that Joe Biden would do anything to take the heat off of what his failures actually were. You know, two words made in America. His son, Hunter, the, the biggest scandal, quite frankly, the biggest you know presidential scandal since uh, since Bill Clinton lied about getting a blowjob in the Oval Office. It's going to be historically significant, not only because it's going to bring out the lies of Joe Biden and his administration, but it's also going to make a mockery of the debate on whether or not marijuana should be legalized. This has become a debate about class. It's become a debate about race. It's become a debate about color. It's become a debate about social structure. When at the end of the day, the whole damn debate about whether marijuana should be legal or illegal comes down to one thing. It's your fucking right to get high. It's your right to smoke weed if you want to. The President of the United States, the Congress of the United States, the goddamn Supreme Court of the United States, doesn't have the right to regulate whether or not you want to smoke a bull. That's just a natural human right. Putting shit into your body is a human right. Healthcare, by the way, is not, but that's for another show. That, oh, I heard that, heard that groan. Heard that groan over there. No, healthcare is not a human right. Sorry, John Fetterman, you're fucking moron. But this particular decision is going to make a mockery of this argument because, as I said, it politicizes it and it makes it about class and makes it about race instead of what it's actually about, and that's your fucking rights. I sit here on this show the past couple of weeks, I've told everybody, pack a lip, fire up a smoke, drink a beer, do whatever you want, just sit and hang out with me. Because in my mind, that's exactly what America should be. It should be a bunch of redneck motherfuckers. And rednecks come from everywhere, by the way. They come from New York City and they come from South Alabama. You know, just just ask old Hank Jr. Ask Bo Cephas. He'll tell you. Americans' rights are absolute. And Americans' rights shouldn't be fucked with just because somebody by the name of uh, William Randolph Hearst decided years ago that he wanted to shut down anybody using hemp paper to print their newspaper because it was cheaper and he was losing money. Folks, that's the whole damn reason weed is even illegal. It doesn't harm anybody. It doesn't do anybody any damn damage, except it fucking depletes the supply of Cheetos. So, well, Terry, then, do you smoke weed? Very, very rarely. I tend to have a reaction to it, unfortunately. When I was a teenager, I could smoke all night. But somehow when I got to be an adult, there was a a reaction problem. It gets me... I have vertigo to begin with. And if I smoke anything that's good, I end up having a severe uh, vertigo situation. So I can't. But just because I can't doesn't mean that you can't. It doesn't mean that you don't have the right to. Just like, you know, I, I know somebody who can't drink beer, and I feel sorry for them. But they can't drink beer because of something it does to their stomach. Well, I can, and I'm going to continue to. You should be able to have a goddamn beer anytime you want. You should be able to smoke a fucking joint anytime you want. And for Joe Biden to go out there and say, I'm going to pardon all federal marijuana um, charges, he makes a mockery of the actual debate 
about the legalization of marijuana. Because now he could sit there and say, oh, well, the, the population in the inner cities and the black population or the Spanish population or whatever, they should thank me because I pardoned all the... No, motherfucker. All you did was you went out and you overturned a law that you wrote in order to gain more votes. You made a mockery of the debate. You made a mockery yet again of people's rights because instead of being able to say, I have the right to smoke dope, now you're being told, no, you have the privilege of possessing it because the President of the United States said it's not a federal crime anymore. You get it yet? Do you get where they're going with this shit? Do you get what they're trying to do? All right. Anyway, we got a big question of the week. And our big question, as always, comes from an anonymous source. Not so anonymous. I actually do know this person. The question of the week is, okay, smartass, let's say you actually become president. What major changes would you make to actually help the country? And, you know, it's a difficult question because I am, of course, on the ballot, as always, in 2024, T24, America only. That is my slogan. I'm on the ballot as I was in 2016 and 2020. What would I do? What would be my first major change to help the country? Well, the first major change I would make is it's in the damn flyer. America only. All of our foreign policy would be dictated as being directed toward helping America only. In other words, foreign policy would be essentially gone. I wouldn't... I don't give a shit about what's going on in Canada or Mexico. You know, NAFTA was the biggest disaster for American free trade in history. And uh, the USMCA isn't going to be any better. United, The U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement is not going to be any better. I would put America back in its rightful place. Not in the eyes of the world, because we shouldn't give a shit what the world says. But I would put America first in America's eyes. And that's what's most important. I would make this country understand that the president serves the people, not the other way around. He's not an elected king. To quote Joe Pesci in the, the phenomenal movie With Honors. Go check it out if you never have. America has to be put first. That's what the president needs to do. And that's what I would do. That would be my first major change. Foreign policy essentially gone, replaced with full focus on domestic policy. Probably the next big change I would make is I would instruct Congress not to pass a law, not to pass a resolution, but I would instruct Congress to withhold any bill that violates the constitutionally mandated system of a national republic. Any bill that creates a national law that violates the state's rights to govern themselves has to be stopped. And it doesn't matter what president you have. You could have Joe Biden. You could have Donald Trump. You could have Ronald Reagan, you know, one of my heroes. You could have Teddy Roosevelt, my hero. Every single one of them acted in a way where the sovereignty of the states was threatened at the, the, the basically the need of the federal government itself. The Federalist Papers are among the most important documents ever written. They're not entirely accurate. 
because they federalized government with a central government overlooking all of the states, it, it's akin to a feudal system. So I would go back to the constitutionally mandated concept of the republic. Or, well, I wouldn't be able to do it on my own because executive orders can't do that. Are you listening, Biden? I know you're not. And even if even if you were going to listen to this, you're probably fucking late for Matlock, which reminds me, Matlock is on. America first, America only. And I would instruct Congress to scrap any bill that violates that constitutional mandate of state sovereignty and, and, and basically force Congress to remember that the country itself is a commonwealth. So that's what I would do. That's what we need more of. We need more people to understand the way this country was structured and that it doesn't change simply because times change. That's that's one of our big problems in this country is we seem to think that just because times change, the way we do things has to change, that everything else has to change. And I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. You know what this country needs? If you ask me, this country needs a lot more old men yelling at clouds. I get called that a lot. And I get called out a lot because, well, quite frankly, I'm fine with it. All you do is, all you old people do is bitch about young people. Yeah. And all you young people do is bitch about old people. All you young people do is bitch about the world that you have to inherit. Well, you know what? Then fucking change it. And, and you're not going to change it by, you know, oh, well, we need to move 100 years into the future. We need electric cars. No, that's not going to change anything. That's just going to perpetuate the shit we're in right now. That's just going to make sure that the problems we've created as a country continue. It's not going to make things any better. We need more old men yelling at clouds. We need more old people calling out the younger generations on their bullshit. Because without old men yelling at clouds, without people like me, the old ways are going to get lost. And when the old ways are lost for good, then we're lost for good. Because the old ways, I've talked about this a million times, the old ways are how we got where we are. We would never be where we are as a country without the old ways. Think about it. The World War II generation? Do you honestly think if the World War II generation, the greatest generation, had had the mindset of the modern day, say, millennial, do you really think we'd have won World War II? No. It would be fucking the man in the high castle right now. We would all be living in a Philip K. Dick novel. Germany would own one coast, Russia or Japan would own another coast, and Russia would probably own the Midwest. We need more people who are still pissed off. We need people who still are angry that Happy Days got taken off the air. Because the old ways were the right ways. They got us where we are. And this generation, this millennial generation, wants us not only to forget that those ways ever existed, they want to replace them with their iPhone, with their their Prius and, and their Tesla. They want to they want to replace the idea of sitting around the campfire, passing a jar of shine, with drinking a fucking white claw and going kneeboarding. I don't like society. I opened the show this week talking about sitting around campfires and, and shooting the shit. And how, in my mind, the reason I've become antisocial is I'm anti this society. I'm, I think I would be really 
I, I think I'd be a lot more amenable to an old-fashioned kind of society. The old man yelling at clouds is yelling at clouds because the old man remembers when the clouds weren't there. The old man yelling at clouds remembers when the sun was there, remembers when life was better. And it can be, again, if we just stop the bullshit and take a step back. When I say learning the old ways, I'm not only talking about learning how to do things on your own, learning how to create your own garden, learning how to build your own uh, backyard shed, but also how to live in the old-fashioned ways. To When we lived in the... When people look back at the community days of the old days, everybody always says, well, everybody looked out for one another. Everybody looked out for them damn selves, which is what allows you to look out for everybody else. Because when you take care of yourself and you take care of the people who are most important to you, that's when you find that you will take care of the people around you. Because they are the people who are most important to you. There was a time in this country where the community was your family. It wasn't just mom and dad. It wasn't just your wife and kids. Your community was your family. That old man's yelling at clouds because he remembers a time when he knew his neighbor's names. When you didn't have to lock your doors. Hell, I remember that time. You know, I, growing up, I grew up in North Jersey. Yeah. But I grew up at a time where we didn't lock our doors. I was probably 10, 11, 12 years old for the first time we ever locked, uh, uh, before we ever had to lock our front doors. Now that's, I'm saying had to. My parents did because they didn't really trust the neighborhood. But our neighborhood wasn't that bad. I was a latchkey kid, so, you know, I took care of myself. <laughs> Still there. But as far as having to lock every single door and having to make sure every damn window was sealed shut... That wasn't until I was 10, 11, or 12 years old when our neighborhood started to deteriorate. But I also spent a lot of time living down south and a little bit of time out in Wyoming. And let me tell you, family in those areas, they never locked their doors. And they cared about their community. You know, the old pass the jar type of situation. That old man yelling at clouds remembers that time. And he remembers it fondly. We need more people like that, not less. We need more people who want to scream and yell at this generation to get their heads out of their ass and get their faces out of their goddamn cell phones, not less. We need more old men saying, hey, asshole, grab a Coors instead of a White Claw, not less. The old ways are the right ways. I'll go to my grave saying that, and I don't care what anybody thinks. And no, the old ways aren't... Well, you're talking about slavery. No. Not talking about slavery. Slavery, no matter who who's responsible for it, is an abomination. But where we're at right now, this social slavery system that we live in, is just as much an abomination. Obviously, not the same type, not on the same level, but it's an abomination nonetheless. And that old man yelling at clouds remembers a time... When it didn't matter if you had an iPhone or a Galaxy. As a matter of fact, he remembers a time where there was one phone in the house. And you had to call long distance to talk to somebody in the next town. If you ask me, the way things used to be are the way things need to be again.
All right, I talked to you a few minutes ago. I said I wanted to uh, bring this up. If you're able to watch the video version right here, this is an EDC pouch that I picked up by Topstash. Um, it was on Amazon.com. I carry my EDC everywhere. I can't live without it. I have to have my EDC on my nightstand. And this particular item, this is, let me explain this. Let me describe this to those of you just listening to the podcast. This is a leather uh, belt case with uh, one, two, three, four pouches on it. And it currently holds my Leatherman Wave, the bit extender for it, my uh, Buck Vantage. Uh, sorry, this is not a, yeah, this is a Vantage flipper by Buck. I've told the story about that particular knife. Uh, there's a history of it. It also holds the um, my favorite pen, which is the Zebra F701. It's a tactical style, all stainless steel pen. And it holds the bit kit for my Leatherman Wave. The one pocket is meant for a flashlight, but my flashlight, which is a tactical style, it's not a tactical flashlight at all, but it's a tactical style flashlight. This is, I believe, by EverReady of all things, Energizer. Ever ready? That's a brand of battery, right? Uh, it's by Energizer. This is a 750 lumen. It just doesn't fit in the sleeve on there, so I do still have to carry it in my pocket. But in terms of keeping your EDC all together and not trying to grab a whole bunch of shit off the desk when you leave the house in the morning, this thing is top notch. And the leather is actually really good quality. This is not top grain by any stretch, but... Um, and bear with me because I'm just learning about this leather stuff myself. I was actually intending to make one of these and then found out that I could just buy one online for probably a third of the cost of the supplies and equipment to make one of these damn things. But it's not a top grain leather. It's certainly a good leather, though. And I have a feeling this thing is going to last a long time. I have a feeling it's going to do very well for me. So uh, thanks to the people at Top Stash for creating such a good product. And, you know, we're going to be talking more EDC, by the way. We'll be discussing that over on uh, the other show, the podcast only. I, there's no plans to do any type of video of the podcast. There might be the occasional video review. But uh, the Galt and Gray podcast, now available, the first episode is up. And working on the remainder of the first season. Which, of course, Galton Gray is about the self-reliant and independent lifestyle. Including the fact that when shit hits the fan, you can either go Galt, which means you can go out on your own and disappear. Or you can go Gray, which means you blend in. Galton Gray, our new podcast, it used to be called Walking Tall. Change the name, change the concept. We'll be talking about EDCs and things like the Top Stash EDC belt carrier on Galton Gray. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to put up a link to the Top Stash store because they have a lot of great products. We're going to be putting that link up on terrywilkerson.com in the next couple of days. So I think that really, folks, is... I think that just about wraps it up. I think that's all we have for this week. Um, hope everybody has some great plans for the week. I know uh, I have... I want to remind everybody... October 28th will be either a pre-recorded or we might even be doing a kind of a best of episode. Um, I keep, by the way, I keep scratching my head because I'm growing out my hair for winter. I'm trying it again. I, I've been completely bald for the most part for about 12 years now. 
And a couple of years ago, 2019, I tried growing my hair back out. And what happened? You know, the pandemic came along and destroyed the world. So, but I'm trying it again. I haven't paid for a haircut in 12 years. I know that. Talk about doing things on your own. Anytime I can do something on my own, I'm going to. Anytime I can do something less expensive, I'm going to. So I'm cutting my own hair and I'm letting it grow out. Gets a little itchy, but I am, if I remember right, that's kind of what hair does. So anyway, 28th, we will be doing some type of special episode because I will be away. It is uh, our anniversary and I'm not doing a live show, not live necessarily, but I'm not doing a show like this on our anniversary. We'll be putting something up, probably a best of a clip show or something pre-recorded. So just be aware of that. And for the rest of the week, I don't know about you, America, but my plans are basically go to work, eat dinner, and, and go to bed. You know, going to be watching WWE Extreme Rules in a few minutes here. And uh, you, I think I've already talked about this. I am a big fan of the Farm Simulator games. I currently play Farm Simulator 2022. There was a glitch on my game, and I lost about 78 hours worth of work on a dairy farm I was putting together. So I will be... Uh, I will be rebuilding my farm probably tomorrow. I'm going to get some time in out on the water, getting some late season fly fishing in, a woolly bugger, you know, stream that son of a bitch downstream, and then rebuild my farm. And other than that, folks, uh, that's pretty much my week, about as boring and basic as it humanly gets. So that is all for this week, folks. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, please remember, your rights are not a gift from the government. The moment you allow the government to abridge your rights even just a little bit, they become privileges, and a privilege can be taken away. Rights are absolute and eternal. Until we see you next time, have a great. The Terry Wilkerson Show is a production of 1975 Podcast Productions, a division of 1028 Media. Go to www.terrywilkerson.com for more information. The Terry Wilkerson Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon Music, and wherever you download your fine podcast content. Please like, share, subscribe, and if you're on a platform where you can do so, give us a five-star rating. That's all for this time, and until next time, have a great day.